Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Orlando got an applause when he came up and said good morning. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, stop. Don't stop. No, I'm kidding. No. No, it is good to see you this morning. Good to have you with us online as well. The last week, there was a bunch of people sitting here with Bucks jerseys on. Today, there's a bunch of us wearing red for Valentine's Day. What a happy day. What a great day. Valentine's Day. A day to focus on loving other people. Then you throw in chocolate and like, man, it just doesn't get much better than that. So glad that you're with us today. A man by the name of William Williman worked for several years as a chaplain at Duke University. And he tells the story about getting a phone call at the very end of a school year from a very irate father. And the father told Williman, I'm holding you responsible. I am blaming you personally for what's going on. And Williman asked, what in the world are you talking about? And this father went on to tell him that her, his daughter, who had just received a degree in mechanical engineering from Duke University, had made the decision to go to Haiti on a mission team and work for, in the words of her father, digging ditches and throwing her degree away. Now, Williman tried to tell this father what a noble thing it was that his daughter was doing, but he wasn't having any of it. And finally, Williman said, now, wait a minute. You're the one who got this whole thing started. You're the one who took her to Sunday school when she was little. You're the one who read her Bible stories at night. You are the one who introduced her to Jesus, not me. And the father said, I know, but all I ever wanted her to be was a Christian. I didn't want her to do anything. <laughs> and you know, that sort of begs the question, doesn't it? Is it possible to call ourselves a Christian, to go to church, own a couple Bibles, and not do anything? Is it possible that we live in a culture, or maybe we're, we've helped to create a culture where we can call ourselves Christians, but we don't follow Jesus? You see, we're back in our series, Who Is This Man? We're spending some time looking at just who Jesus is, this countercultural way that Jesus not only lived, but the way that he taught. And, and here's the deal, and you've heard me say this before. Jesus never asks anyone to accept him. And we hear that all the time. You need to accept Jesus. Just accept Jesus. But you never heard that from Jesus. He never tells anyone to accept him. Jesus always tells people, I want you to follow me. Our goal, individually as well as congregationally, our goal is to look like Jesus, to act like Jesus to talk like Jesus, to go to the places Jesus would go and do the things that Jesus would do. This morning, we're going to talk about Jesus as a servant. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, it's Valentine's Day. Why aren't we talking about love? Oh, we're talking about love. In fact, we're talking about maybe the perfect expression of love, and that is serving other people. Because there's no way that we can be like Jesus and not help someone, not serve 
someone. I've heard someone say, I'm not sure where I heard it, but too many Christians think that they're on a cruise ship. The reality is, we're on a battleship. And too many Christians come to a church and say, how are you going to serve us? And they should be asking, how can I be used in service? Listen, in the kingdom, there are all kinds of job descriptions, all kinds of things to do. We've all got different passions. We've got different abilities. We've been gifted differently, all kinds of job descriptions. But there's only one title, servant. We are all servants. And by the way, Jesus isn't just pushing us in that direction. He led the way. So this morning, I'm going to share with you a whole lot of scripture. And I'm not warning you about that in, in, in a way to apologize. I'm warning you to get your Bible ready. Because the Bible says a lot about being a servant. Of course, you know what Jesus said about being a servant in Matthew chapter 20. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Of course, the Apostle Paul certainly echoes what Jesus said, and, and Paul talks about Jesus being that servant, uh, mentions it in Philippians chapter 2. We looked at this in, you know, pretty extensively a couple months ago. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. At one point, Jesus makes the comment that the student is not above the master. Well, if the master is a servant, and if Jesus is the master and we're the student, and the master is a servant, what's that make me and you? <laughs> we should be like super servants, Right? If we're trying to follow the master and he's a servant, that makes us servants. That's why Jesus would say in Luke chapter 17, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, he doesn't just sit down and eat. He must first prepare his master's meal and serve his supper before eating his own. And the servant's not even thanked because he's merely doing what he's supposed to do. In the same way, Jesus is saying, and I'm talking to you now, in the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we're not worthy of praise. We're servants who have simply done our duty. Our fundamental identity, and Orlando mentioned this, our fundamental identity in Christ is that of a servant. We are all in the service industry. And a lot of times people think, well, see, that's not really my thing. That's not what, that's not what I do. Uh, I, I don't, that's not my calling. That's not my charge. Do you think service in the kingdom really is optional? Do you think we really can't opt out of that? Because what do you want to hear more than anything else at some point in your existence? More than anything else. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want God to tell me that one day. And all those scriptures and more that we'll look at are begging the question, if we are not serving someone, if we're not helping someone, if we're not blessing someone, are we really following Jesus? 
If I can't point to anybody that I am blessing, anybody that I am encouraging, anybody that I'm helping, should I really be calling myself a Christ follower, a Christian? Mark chapter 10, we meet a rich young ruler who by all accounts is a really good guy. Um, He's a moral guy. He doesn't party. He doesn't sleep around. I'm sure his parents were very proud of him. He obeyed them his whole life. I'm sure the people that listened to him in the synagogue were very impressed. But Jesus said, you're not blessing anyone. You're not helping anyone. Discipleship is not just about not doing bad things. Discipleship is about actually actively blessing other people, helping someone, doing something. Now, Jesus' life wasn't just about not sinning. Jesus' life was about doing good, helping, teaching, serving. We want to be like Jesus, right? Amen. Thank you. We want to be like Jesus, right? Well, Scripture tells us that before we were even born, it was God's plan for us to do good things. God's plan for me, before I was even born, was to do good things. You know Ephesians chapter 2. For we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. We were created to do good things. God expects us to do good things. And whatever God expects us to do, He will empower us to do. And you've got to believe that. Whatever God expects us to do, He will empower us to do. If God wants us to do something, He's going to make sure that we're capable of doing it. And again, I can't say it's not my thing. God didn't wire me that way. I like to sit back and watch. I don't have that option. Christians serve. Followers of Jesus serve. We were created to do good things. We ask God, why am I here? Well, one of the reasons that you're here is to do good things. One of the reasons you're here is to help someone else, to serve someone else. No, we weren't saved by our service, but we were saved for service in the kingdom. And God actually equips every Christ follower. We have been called to serve. We have been empowered to serve I love Hebrews 13, 20. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may the God of peace equip you. Equip you. Everything good for doing His will. And may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. We don't equip ourselves. God has equipped us. The God of peace who brought back from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, has equipped us with everything good for doing his will. Take a look at what Paul tells the church in Corinth. Uh, And again, I'm throwing a bunch of scripture at you, but it's just a drop in the bucket about what the Bible says about serving other people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it's the same Holy Spirit who's the source of them all. 
There's different kinds of service in the church. But it's the same Lord we are serving. There are different ways God works in our lives. But it's the same God who does the work through all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. We have been gifted through the Holy Spirit to help others. Peter is going to say basically the same thing in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given gifts to each of you in His great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. What Jesus is saying, what Paul and Peter are repeating is there are no insignificant members when it comes to the church, when it comes to the kingdom. There are no insignificant members. Everybody has a place. Everybody has a part because everybody has been gifted to do something. God has blessed all of us supernaturally through the Holy Spirit to be able to do something that we couldn't do on our own. And Jesus and Peter and Paul all say, use your gifts. Use what God has given you. William Booth, the man who founded the Salvation Army, uh, at the end of his life when he was in bad health, the Salvation Army was planning a, a large international event and Booth was supposed to speak at it. But because of his health, he wasn't able to travel. And so they told him, could you at least cable us a message? Something that we could read for the whole gathering. And Booth did that. His cabled message composed of one word, others. That was the message, others. You might recognize the name of Stuart Briscoe. He's an English theologian and a writer. As a young man, a young Christian in England, Stuart Briscoe was about to join the Royal Marines and he came to the acquaintance of a man that he was known as Captain May. Uh, Captain May became his mentor, became a real spiritual influence in his life. And Stuart Briscoe asked him, Sir, how do you keep your Christian focus in this kind of environment? And at that time, it was a pretty ungodly environment. And he told him, Stuart, what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to nail your flag to the mast. Now, that doesn't mean too much to us. It's a naval expression. And the idea of nailing your flag to the mast was in the Navy, when uh, someone, when a ship uh, overtook another ship and you wanted to surrender, you would lower your flag and raise a white flag, and then the person of the ship or the, the country or whatever that defeated you would board that ship, and they'd lower the white flag, and they'd raise their colors, their flag on your ship. You surrendered. So when he told Stuart, you're going to have to nail your flag to the mast, what he meant was, you're going to have to put on the uniform of Christian. You're going to have to put on the armor of Christian. And you're going to have to be sure everybody knows at the very beginning whose army you're in and who you stand for. And so he asked the obvious question, did you do that, sir? And he said, as a matter of fact, I did. Well, how did you do that? The very first night in the barracks, before I got into my bunk, I kneeled down and I prayed to God. And how did people respond to that, sir? They all made fun of me. In fact, they started throwing their boots at me. He said, well, what did you do then? And the captain looked at him almost perplexed and said, why, 
I cleaned their boots and gave them back, of course. Through our service, what we're saying to the world is that God is doing a good work in us. Through our service, we make God look good. On the screen behind me is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Told to manage well your spiritual gift. Look at the very next verse, verse 11. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and all the energy that God supplies. And then God, notice, not me, not you, not us. Then God will be given glory in everything through Jesus Christ. All glory and power belong to him forever and ever. Amen. You see, our, our service is our God-honoring God opportunity. By doing something for someone else is our chance to make God look good. Now I'm convinced that we are living in an age and we are living in a culture where we can no longer say, listen, I've got the truth and you need to listen to me while I tell you what's wrong. I've got the truth and you need to come to our worship service at 10 o'clock and sit at my feet and I'll tell you what to do. People don't respond to that anymore. Maybe 50 or 60 years ago they did. I don't know. But they don't now. I think we have to earn the right to be heard. Well, again, 50 or 60 years ago, people would ask the question, tell me how Christianity is going to make a difference in the world. They're not asking that question anymore. What they want to know is, and what they're saying is, show me how Christianity is going to make a difference in the world. Because I see too many Christians who are just like everybody else, except they get up a little bit earlier on Sunday, and they get dressed up and go to church, and for the past year, they even had, haven't even had to do that. Stay home and stay on the couch. People want to know, does Christianity make a difference? Show me, following Jesus, making a difference. And I think that's part of the reason why Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. What do salt and light have in common? They make things better, right? You take a dark room, you put light in the room, you see better. You take bland food, you put some salt on it, it tastes better. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. Christians are supposed to make things better. When we show up, things ought to get better. When you show up at work, when you go to school, when you show up at the gym, things ought to get a little bit better because we're called to be salt and we're called to be light. And personally, I'm getting tired of hearing everybody complain about the culture. I'm tired of complaining about the culture. I don't think it's my job. I don't think it's our job to curse the culture. I think it's our job to bless the culture. I think we show up as Christians, as salt and as light, and we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, because we've been equipped, we, giving glory to God, we serve, and we help, and we teach, and we encourage, and we bless. We make things better. Now, I'd love to be a church that's known for what we do, 
not the things that we won't do. And that means serving someone. That means making things better. And I'm not talking about some big structural plan. I'm not talking about some program that you've got to plug into, although those are great as well. I'm talking about individually, and maybe in some quiet ways, looking for ways in my life that I can bless someone. Ways that I can serve someone in the name of Jesus. Ways that I can make a situation a little bit better. Remember Jesus said in Matthew 5, uh, if you let your light shine before men, they'll see your good works and say, wow, what a great guy you are. They'll see your good works and say, wow, you must go to a really good church. They'll see your good works and somebody said it, glorify your Father in heaven. I don't think we can call ourselves followers of Jesus if we're not willing to get to work if we're not willing to do something for someone, we won't change from being a consumer to a contributor. We've been consumers too long. We're geared to be consumers. Jesus said, I want contributors in the kingdom. So we need to stop asking the question. We need to stop asking the church, how are you going to serve us? And we need to start asking, how can I be used in service. Who is this man? Who is Jesus? Well, we're, well, it's Valentine's Day. Today we talk about love. Listen, Jesus' life, and especially his death, proved that he loved like nobody else because he served and he sacrificed like nobody else. Want to follow Jesus? We're going to have to roll up our sleeves. We're going to have to get our hands dirty. And we're going to have to serve someone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for showing us in Jesus what sacrificial service really does look like. And Father, may we do a better job of showing people the love of Jesus through the way that we serve. And Father, would you remind us that the next time he comes, he's going to come to judge. And he's going to come to separate the sheep and the goats. Never let us forget that when we serve the least of these, we're serving you. Father, would you forgive us of our selfishness? And would you use us in your service? It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey, I've got some really exciting things to share. Exciting thing to share with you, too. Really, um, we're going to be able to witness baptism here in just a little bit, and we're excited about that. But before we do that, Orlando is going to come up and he's going to lead us in a song to get us ready. We're going to share the Lord's Supper together as well.